Well, good morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. It is great to be with you. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for the encouragement already that we've received and the songs that we've sung together, the prayers that we've prayed, and as we took time to be with Shannon and, and listen to the words that, that he shared with us, I'd love Roger's words that Sunday is the best day of the week. I just say amen to that. I appreciate the invitation to be here and so glad that we can spend this time together. Y'all did a lot of incredible work back there and I'm excited. I want to be a kid just to go back in those classrooms today. So I'm taking lots of videos while I'm here, taking that back home because I, I want to do that when we get home. That is awesome. So looking forward to this time together. It is uh, very selfishly, I am so excited to spend this time with, with Roger and Debbie, and uh, we go way back. If I say how far back, it's going to make you feel really old, Roger. Well, Roger means the world to me, and I'm going to say more about that. You're say, man, you're gushing on Roger a lot. Well, it's going to happen because I just love Roger, and so I'm excited to be able to spend time with them, and uh, appreciate Jason and Shelly. We've known each other from way back, too, and so from our Ohio days, so God bless you. Looking forward to this time together. The theme that I've been asked to talk about is I have kept the faith, and all of the lessons that were selected are based on that, and so I appreciate, I like having assignments, and so I'm excited to have these lessons to present. So today is the example of Paul, the example of Paul. <clears throat> if you knew for certain that you were going to die soon, now, I know we can all say, well, I know, Aaron, we're, we're all going to die. But what if you knew you had a terminal diagnosis? You are going to be, like Paul, executed. Or maybe you're with somebody you love who is facing death. Many of us have sat by somebody as they've passed from this life to the next. If you are at that moment where you are faced with your mortality... It changes the way you think, doesn't it? If you are looking death in the eye, what would be on your mind? And to flip that around, what might not be on your mind anymore? Might there be some things that we used to all fuss about and get all upset about that don't matter anymore? Maybe so. Would there things that would be just zeroed in on your clarity? I'm, I am so clear about this now. And so what we're going to talk about for just a moment is that looking at your own imminent death can give you incredible clarity. And that's what we see with Paul as we look at the example of the Apostle Paul. I am, I am just absolutely moved by our brother Matt Basford. Maybe many of you know him, uh, and as he is a preacher of the gospel and he is facing his own mortality, he is dying of Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, he has incredible clarity. If any of you know of him on Facebook and looking at the, the things that he's writing right now, as he's looking death in the eye, he's got incredible clarity as he's going to the grave. And that's what we see with Paul in 2 Timothy 4, is Paul's swan song. Paul is going to give some last messages to his young son in the faith, Timothy, before he died. But looking at your own death, looking at your own death can give you incredible clarity. Think about Jacob. 
Jacob, in the, in the Old Testament, in, in, in Genesis, he knew he was going to die. So what did he do? He gathered his sons together and he blessed them. And he talked about their future through the Holy Spirit. He, he prophesied about their future. Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, when he was about to die, he knew there was a promise of God. They were going to leave Egypt and go to the promised land. And so he makes his brothers vow and promise that they'll carry his bones to the promised land. He was going to die, but his eyes were on the promise. His eyes were on the promised land. Moses, as he's about to die, we, have, we are blessed with the book of Deuteronomy which is a collection of his last speeches. He's looking death in the eye, but as he dies, he is thinking about the future of Israel. And he's led by the Holy Spirit to, to present those last few messages. David. I love David because David had worked the last several years of his life getting ready for building the temple. And he, he got everything ready and handed over to Solomon. But, but he says, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And this work is great. And I'm going to die. I'm going the way of all the earth. And so he gathered his son together and said, Son, I, here's some things I want to tell you before I go. Have you ever had an experience like that with somebody who's about to pass and you sit down for those last few conversations? And many of us have experienced that. There's a lot of clarity in those conversations, aren't there? And that's what David is doing with his son. Hezekiah was told by Isaiah, put your house in order for you're going to live or you're going to die. You're not going to live. And, and so instead of doing that, he goes and goes to the throne of God and prays, weeps bitterly, begs for mercy. You see, death will give us incredible clarity. Peter knew he was going to die. He wrote 2 Peter. Jesus knew he was going to die. He spent last several hours with his disciples John knew he was going to die. The Holy Spirit led him to write Revelation. And what's on that aged apostle's mind? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Looking at your own imminent death can give you incredible clarity. And what we have in 2 Timothy is his swan song. Paul knows he's about to die. The time of my departure is at hand. That has to be sobering, doesn't it? And I'm sure there's all kinds of emotions because we know from his other letters he had lots of different emotions about this. I want to depart and be with Christ, but to be with you is far better. And so he's torn between these worlds. And as he's about to be executed for the cause of Christ, he doesn't check out. And we'll talk about that. But he says, I've got to help Timothy. I've got to share some thoughts with Timothy before I die. You think about the swan song, and it's come to mean the, the final acts and the words and the performance of a dying person. We can think of Elvis's last concert. We can think of Dr. Martin Luther King's speech the night before he was assassinated when he says, I've been to the mountaintop, I've seen the promised land, and the next day he's assassinated. We think of William Tyndale. As he is about to be burned at the stake, he says, Oh, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. What I hope for us and what God hopes for us is that we can have that, that clarity all the time. Not just when we see our imminent death coming, but we're supposed to live like that with that clarity, knowing that we have this moment. And so that's something I'll be talking about as we go through this lesson. So 
2 Timothy, at the end of the letter, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, you have Paul writing to a rattled Timothy. I, I believe Timothy is a little rattled. The persecution's getting heavy. Paul's about to die. The person that, that Timothy had been leaning on for all this time, he's about to go. And just like Elisha didn't want Elijah to go and Joshua didn't want Moses to go, I'm pretty sure Timothy didn't want Paul to go. But he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And here's the theme that was chosen. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. Timothy, I'm about to go but I'm going to go be with Jesus and I want you to come too. Timothy, I know you're rattled but don't be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Stir up what God has given you. Think about the promises. Think about uh, all the things that you have learned. Preach the word, be in season and out of season. Be ready for those things. And so you think about this letter, 2 Timothy, and everything that a dying man is trying to share with his young, beloved son in the faith, Timothy. I think about some of the, the last times with, with my mother before she passed. And I know many of you can have those kind of thoughts as well. Even though my mother had Alzheimer's, there was a moment where she had incredible clarity near the end of her life. And she says, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to go be with Jesus. And I just remember that phrase. And I think about that phrase. And although I miss her, I'd love to yank her back once in a while. I know her mindset was, I'm leaving. I'm going to go be with Jesus. And so now I have to know what I have to do is do this very same thing. And so Paul's example for us is this. Paul's example, how he kept the faith. How did Paul keep the faith? And so what we want to do is look at for this, for this uh, first point is that Paul didn't focus on the problems, but he focused on the promises of God. Have you ever taken time and it's on your outline. Have you ever taken time to just read through all of the things that Paul went through? I mean, there's several passages. I mean, sometimes the classic one people go to is 2 Corinthians 11. And there's tons of things there that Paul went through. But that's not the only place. I don't know of anybody. I don't know of anybody besides Jesus who went through more than Paul did. Do you go through problems in life? Yes. Do we face trauma in life? Yes. Do we have abuse and betrayal in, in life? Yes. Do we have death and disease in life? Yes. But what happens if we just focus on problems? I can tell you what happens if we're just focusing on the problems, we become victims. Paul, if anybody, could have looked at all of his problems and says, what in the world am I doing? Why am I doing this? I quit. But Paul didn't focus on the problems, rather he focused on the promise of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 4, and in verse 7. There's 
There's a, as you're turning to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, <clears throat> have you ever thought about this phrase, this sentence in Galatians, which is on the screen right now, where Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Have you ever taken time to just think about what Paul's physical body had to look like after beatings and stonings, all the whippings, everything he had been through? What did his body look like? What did his back look like? What did his arms look like? What did he walk like? What did his face look like after all of that? One time they stoned him and drug him out of the city and left him for dead. What does his body look like? It's not like God just healed all of his wounds. He carried those wounds with him through his life. He says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. If there's anybody who could say, I've had a lot of problems, it could be Paul. And I'm not saying that to minimize anyone's problems because we have real problems in life. But what we must do is focus on the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We're perplexed but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work, but life in you. Death is at work in us, but life is working in you. Paul, you talk about a testimony. I know one of the rooms, kids, that you're going to be in is the empty tomb room. What helped Paul go through what he went through? What helped Paul survive and, 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 and deal with all of the persecution that he went through, all of the beatings, all of the rejection, all of the lies? Everything that he went through is that his eyes were on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He believed that with all of his might. He believed in what he saw. He believed in what he witnessed. And that faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ gave him confidence that what God had promised, he was able to perform. He believed that what God said, he would carry out. He did not doubt the promises of God. Because he believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything to us. We have no Bible without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have no Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul understood that. And so while he suffered, he kept his eyes on the resurrection. And that's why he didn't give up. So I encourage you, as we go through things in life, there is a time to deal with problems. But we cannot fixate on them. We cannot live in that pool of misery because that's not what God called us to do. And I know that's easy to do. I've tried to do it. It doesn't work very well. I don't know about you. Maybe you've tried to do that yourself. It doesn't work very well. Focus on the promises of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1. As we go back to Paul's swan song. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul begins this letter with life. 
and he ends this letter with life. He begins this letter with hope, and he ends this letter with hope. These are the words of a dying man to a rattled Timothy to encourage him and lift him up. And so Paul begins this letter with these words. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to what? The promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. He didn't focus on the problems. He didn't focus on the pain and the persecution. He didn't dwell in the misery he lifted himself up and helped, him, helped himself to focus on the promises of God. Of course, God helped him do that as well. Okay, second thing, and we'll continue. Paul was not driven by cowardice, but by confidence in Christ. He was not driven by cowardice, but driven by confidence in Christ. But what I want to talk about for a moment, as you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Everybody had different upbringings, and you had different experiences. You were, you were surrounded by different teachings. And I don't think this was a matter of the teaching that I received. I got some pretty good teaching at Greenwood growing up, by the way. Somebody named Roger was preaching there. I don't think it was a function of the teaching. But when I grew up, I had this picture of the Apostle Paul with a red S on his chest. He's Superman. Nothing affected him. He was always strong and bold and courageous, but that's not the biblical picture of Paul. He wasn't always that way. Paul, when he went to Corinth, was afraid. You ever get afraid? Paul was afraid. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 3, when he was in Corinth, he says, And I was with you, what? In weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You picture Paul that way? He didn't stroll into Corinth with a cape. He came in there scared. In fact, Acts, Acts 18, which is on your notes, Acts 18, Jesus came to him and says, Paul, don't be afraid. I have many people in this city. No one's going to attack you to harm you. Don't be afraid. And why would he tell Paul not to be afraid if he, if he never had any problems with fear? And I think sometimes we, we get this idea that we're just all going to stroll around and nothing ever affects us. Well, that's not true for Paul. If it's not true for Paul, why would it be true for me? We are afraid sometimes. Sometimes we're afraid to confront somebody when we really have to talk to them, but we're scared to death, and there may, may be a number of reasons why that happens, but maybe we get to shaking, because I don't know if I really want to talk to this person. I'm scared to death. I know a girl, by the way, uh, in, another, in another state, her dad's a, a church leader, and she was so afraid to confront her dad about some things that he had really done wrong, she would vomit before she talked to him. She was so scared to talk to him. I know that shouldn't be that way, but that's the way things are sometimes. We're scared. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's somebody in the congregation. Maybe it's a family member. I've got to talk to them about something. But man, I tell you what, I'm shaking in my boots. Paul did. Paul was afraid. When Paul is in prison the first time in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, hey, can you guys pray for me? And here's specifically what I want you to pray for. I want you to pray for me so that I'll have boldness, so that I can preach the word as I ought to preach. Why would he pray that if he didn't have a problem with it? Does that make sense? And so we think about 
We think about that, and Paul had times where he was afraid, and that's where we are at times. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I appreciate Jason leading songs and leading this song. I know whom I have believed. Again, we're going to the words of a dying man, the words of a man who knows that he's going to be executed for the cause of Christ. He knows his path is ending. And you could be tempted to say, okay, was this really worth it? Was, was all of this really worth it? I gave up family, I gave up money, I gave up status, I gave up my, everything that I had before, and I considered it as, as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and now I'm about to die for it. Is it really worth it? Paul says, yes, it is really worth it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 7. He says, God gave us not a spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, what's he telling Timothy? Therefore, don't be ashamed. Timothy, you don't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to die. Yes, but don't you be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us, called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Notice the connection to the resurrection who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Remember, he starts this letter by saying, I'm focused on the promise of life. That promise of life came through the risen Jesus who brought immortality to light through the gospel. Because he's risen from the dead, I have hope in my own resurrection. For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed. Why? Could almost start breaking out in song again, Jason. For I know whom I have believed. By the way, do you know that? Do you know whom you have believed? I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. I've put my everything in his hand. I put my faith in his hands. I put my life in his hands. I put my everything in his hands. And I trust him to keep that for me. And when I get executed, when I die, when I pass through that door, Jesus will be with me. And that's true because Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, folks, we might as well go home. We are wasting our time if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. It blows me away to find out Christians who are, who are people who are uh, professing to be Christians who are meeting in buildings, they don't even believe Jesus rose from the dead. We have no Christianity without that. Okay? And so we think about Paul's focus on the resurrection of the dead. First Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, we have set our hope on the living God. The living God, the living God who is the Savior of all the people. And the third point, as he says, I know whom I have believed, the third point is this. Paul didn't dwell on the departure, but rather on the destination. Paul didn't dwell on the departure, but rather on the destination. We're going to talk more about this. One of the titles that y'all had selected for me was The Crown That Awaits Us. That'll be the last lesson. And the beauty of heaven, the beauty of heaven, folks, is not the gold and the pearls. The beauty of heaven 
is what Paul said over and over and over. I'm going to depart, but I'm going to be with Jesus. That's what makes heaven heaven. And the flip side of that is what makes hell hell. When God says, depart from me, I never knew you. God is not there. And that's what makes hell hell. Paul knew being with Jesus was his destination. Paul often talked about his departure. Jesus talked about his departure with uh, Moses and Elijah when he was on the mountain with them. Peter talked about his departure. He says, I'm going to soon put off my tent. I love how Peter said that in 2 Peter 1. I'm going to soon put off this tent. It's just temporary dwelling. I'm going to lay this down and I'm going to go be with Christ. And Paul understood to be in the presence of the Lord was everything. If you fixate on death, if you fixate on that, that will bring fear. And Jesus did not die on the cross and rise from the dead so that we would walk around in this life in fear. Now, I know that's easy for me to say from this pulpit in the safety of our building right now because there are times in my life I've walked around with fear. Have you? But Jesus came to deliver us from that. And we'll just show what the Holy Spirit has to say about that in His Word as we look at Hebrews chapter 2. Paul's not dwelling on the departure the writer of Hebrews says the same thing in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 14 and 15. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came for a lot of reasons. One, as we, we learned about in the, in the Lord's Supper, is to be our merciful and faithful high priest. But another reason Jesus came is told in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. You think about how much time and effort we in our society spend on keeping from dying. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I don't really want to necessarily check out today. But everybody's afraid of dying. God didn't come for that. He said, I came, I came so you wouldn't be afraid. Verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same. He took on flesh that through death he might destroy, look at this, destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Paul says to depart and to be with Christ is far better. To depart and be with Jesus is far better. Yes, I'm going to die, and that's going to be painful, and that's going to be ugly. Some, I mean, there's just there's a lot of things that surround death, and many of us have been around Several people who have passed away, and there's just a lot, of, a lot of things you have to deal with with death. But we can't fixate there. We have to look past it. And that's one of the things I'm going to be talking later in one of our lessons is living past the moment. Living past the moment. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's living past the moment of death, thinking about the destination. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you'll turn there with me. 2 Timothy 4. At the end of his letter, what does Paul say in hope? Because Jesus has risen from the dead, here's my hope. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 19. I think I put, yeah, verse 18, my apologies. So the Lord will rescue me. Look at this, verse 18. The Lord will rescue me. 
from every evil deed. Think of everything that happened to Paul. He says, God will rescue me from every bad thing that happened to me. God will rescue me from all of those things I went through, and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we're close in Acts chapter 20. Paul is talking to Ephesian elders. He's about to, he's about to go to Jerusalem. He knows he's not going to see their face anymore. He knows he's about to face some serious persecution. He doesn't have all the details. He just knows he's going to face some serious persecution. He talks about that in visions he had seen. But in Acts chapter 20, But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. I want to ask as we, as we close here, as we think about our own keeping of the faith, I want to ask you a question that God asked. It's the very first question that God asked in the Bible, and that is, where are you? Where are you? Where is your faith? It saddens me sometimes to hear Christians, and I've been this, I've done this, and I've, it saddens me sometimes to hear Christians say, well, I don't know if I'm good enough to go to heaven. Well, I hope I, I hope I make it. Is that how Paul talked? Brothers and sisters, as we read the pages of the Holy Spirit, is that how Paul talked? His confidence was in Christ. Yes, he had to live for Christ. Yes, he had to grow with Christ. If there were sins, yes, he had to change. We understand that. But his confidence was, when I walk through that door, Jesus will be with me because he promised it. He promised it. Do you live that way based on the promises of God? If we're living on the promises of God, it's going to change how we react to different things in this life. You hear bad headlines on the news. Yeah, it's really bad, but I'm focused on the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus. People are going to treat you badly. Yes, but I'm focused on the promises of life that are in Christ Jesus. Your spouse betrayed you. Okay, focus on the promise of life. He will never leave you or forsake you. I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I've got depression, I've got addiction. Focus on the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. He died to give you hope. He died to give you confidence. He died to say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give your, you rest. Take your yoke upon me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. If you are not walking in a hope and a confidence in Christ. I hope that you'll think about these things to be encouraged. If you have not yet started your walk with Jesus, understand that Jesus has died on the cross. What we've already talked about today. He's died on the cross, shed His blood so that you can be free of your sins, so that you can come under the shelter of God's wings for refuge, so that you can have hope. As we live in this dark world, Peter said something 2,000 years ago that is still true today. Save yourselves from this crooked and perverse generation. Have hope in Christ. If you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins to enter into that relationship, we will help you today. Please come forward while we stand and sing.